Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's it up to McCaffrey. There he goes. It's a C-Mac attack. This is Desmond Johnson on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast. Here on the Believe Podcast Network the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available in your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast on Twitter. Today on the Believe and Carolina Panthers podcast, the firing of general manager Marty Herney, the passing of linebacker Kevin Green, a quick recap of Panthers versus Packers, and a preview of Panthers versus Washington. And welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another new edition, new episode of the Believe in Carolina Panthers podcast. I'm your host, Desmond Johnson, joined by my esteemed colleague. He is a two-time Super Bowl champion, a 13-year NFL veteran, and the first defensive player ever selected by the Carolina Panthers in the 1995 NFL draft, Tyrone Poole. What's going on, Tyrone? How are you doing this uh, Christmas week? All right, Desmond, how you doing, man? Uh, hello to all of the Carolina Panther uh, faithfuls. Keep pounding, as as Don Meredith, Meredith would say, the old Dallas Cowboy coach, Monday Night Football, the party is almost over. <laughs> so we're coming down to the end of the wire. We are, and uh, the Panthers still uh, got some meaningful games here coming up here in terms of their uh, – opponents they're playing they can really actually play the role of spoiler over the next two weeks uh in various uh situations here the panthers taking on the washington football team uh this sunday that game was actually just flexed by the nfl from a 1 p.m start to 4 p.m uh on cbs uh this upcoming sunday due to some ramifications in the nfc east we'll get you prepared for that we'll do a quick recap of the panthers primetime tilt against the packers this past saturday uh, 24-16 uh, loss for the Panthers that dropped into 4-10 and 10 on the season. And we'll get you caught up on everything else you need to know, including Panthers news and notes from the week. Uh, huge news coming out of uh, Charlotte on Monday with the firing of uh, General Manager Marty Herney. We'll start off the show with that. But first, let us give you a heads up on our sponsor at the Believe Podcast Network, and that's Bet Online. The NFL season is in full swing, actually getting towards the end of the NFL season now. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. I actually just spoke to a friend on Facebook uh, last night that told me they won $1,000 in some sort of uh, game that they were doing. I don't understand any of that stuff, but uh, he does the, the fantasy sports stuff that people do. Um, you can do this at betonline.ag. So head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Biggest news coming out of Charlotte this week um, after the Panthers lost to the Green Bay Packers on Saturday night up in Lambeau Field in Green Bay. On Monday, it was announced that Panthers had fired general manager Marty Herney on Monday, becoming the fifth NFL team this year to fire a GM. Uh, Marty was in his second stint with the Panthers. He had served from 2002 to 2012, uh, returned in 2017 after uh, the Panthers let go general manager Dave Gettleman, who's now the general manager uh, for the New York Giants. 
Marty Herney is responsible for drafting some of the bigger names that you've heard over the years uh, for the Panthers, especially over the past decade. Currently on the team, defensive end Brian Burns, defensive tackle Derek Brown, linebacker slash safety Jeremy Chin, wide receiver DJ Moore. Um, he's also responsible for the draft selections of Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Greg Olson, pretty much the team's uh, that you've seen that have been successful for the Panthers over the past 10 years. Marty Herney had a huge hand, really longer than 10 years, about 15 years. Marty Herney had a huge hand in building uh, the key building blocks for those teams. Uh, head coach Matt Rule and chief communications officer Stephen Drummond will be involved in the hiring of a new GM. Um, thoughts on Marty Herney, uh, Ty? What was your initial reaction when you found out that uh, David Tepper had decided to go ahead and pull the trigger on this with two weeks to go in the uh, 2020 NFL season? Well, like you said, uh, Desmond, you read off some of the things that uh, Marty Herney, the people he had drafted. You know, it, it's so important to have a general manager, a good general manager, you know, because they make uh, the player trades, free agency acquisitions, the side salary uh, levels, and ultimately uh, determine which players are selected in the NFL draft. And when I think about Marty Herney, I think about him being one of those good GMs. And when I look at that, I say, okay, where did he learn from? He comes from a proven uh, history. Uh, started off with the Washington Redskins, you know, Jack Kent Cook, uh, mm -hmm. old Washington Redskins. And Jack Kent Cook, you know what that Washington football team, so to speak, what they did. And then he goes on and he's having tutelage up under uh, Bobby Beathard. Uh, with the uh, San Diego Chargers and, you know, those two teams got to the Super Bowl. And then you look at what he did with the Carolina Panthers uh, come here and he gets that team to the Super Bowl. So uh, Marty Herney knows what to do. Uh, he's a proven winner. So I think just like they say, a cat, if you drop it, <laughs> I haven't seen a cat yet, but they say <laughs> if you drop a cat is always going to land on his feet. So, you know, Marty's a great guy, even if he doesn't uh, become a GM nowhere else, or even decides to get out of pro football period. I think he would look at his career and he would look at the the, the people that he has impacted through the draft, uh, just throughout uh, organization. Like I said, he's been around very, 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 very good programs uh, and teams. So uh, my uh, applaud, my, I clap my hands for uh, Marty Ernie because I understand football and I played the game. I know what goes on behind those doors. And uh, Marty, I think you did a great job. Uh, Marty Herney, 65, uh, turned 65 this year. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, he's got a couple of options of what to do. Uh, the owner, David Tepper, was asked. He actually had a virtual press conference, and we'll get into that in just a second as well because he dropped some gems in there, as he's uh, known to do. Uh, David Tepper doesn't really hold back when it comes to what's on his mind. And he was asked, you know, because of the timing of this, uh, similar uh, kind of strikes a chord with last year when they let Ron Rivera go in the middle of the season. Uh, and the logic behind it, according to Tepper, was that, A, they didn't want to conduct a search for a new general manager while Marty Herney was still in the building. He felt that would be like uh, you know going behind his back. Uh, he said the same uh, sentiment in terms of Ron Rivera last year when they let him go. And he also said it gives them a head start, uh, the team and the person they let go, in terms of finding you know new employment. And you mentioned, you know, he might, Herney might go off to another team or something like that. 
rumors are circulating that he might end up uh, with the team that we're going to see this Sunday, the Washington football team that is coached by former Panther head coach Ron Rivera, uh, who has a good relationship with Marty Herney. So the Washington football team might be uh, importing in uh, former Panther uh, front office folks. Of course, they've got uh, you know some players on the team that, are, that were for, uh, former Panthers. So we'll see how that kind of plays out in the offseason. Uh, for Marty, Marty Herney, I will say that um, I never really had a problem with Marty Herney in terms of the way the fan base did. Um, and by that, I mean, over the years, I've seen a lot of Panther fans kind of blame a lot of the issues that the Panthers have had on Marty Herney. They weren't really on him per se. I guess he was just an easy scapegoat to, to have. Um, for me, I always felt like Marty Herney's biggest uh, attribute was uh, his eye in the draft, especially in the top rounds. Like you saw, the, I mean, you heard the names that I rattled off here. Um, you know, Cam Newton, Luke Keekley, Thomas Davis, Greg Olson, uh, Jonathan Stewart, D'Angelo Williams. I mean, he he drafted guys that uh, became you know blocks for the the first Super Bowl run in '03. Uh, the Jake DeLome, Steve Smith led teams. And then again, uh, you know, even though he had left in 2015, if you look at the starters on that team and the captains, if I'm not mistaken, four or five of the six captains of that team were drafted by Marty Herney, not Dave Gettleman. So uh, he, he, he definitely left a mark on the franchise. Uh, however, as we both know, Tyrone, this is a what have you done for me lately league. The Panthers have lost eight of their last nine games. And uh, probably Herney's downfall was more than likely contracts. That seems to be what it was, because that's really what it was the first time he was released from here, uh, kind of giving guys extensions that uh, didn't live up to the potential of the extensions. And we were starting to see some fingerprints of that now uh, in terms of extensions to Shaq Thompson, people questioning whether or not Christian McCaffrey maybe got his money too soon. Uh, he still literally had you know, two more years of availability to the Panthers on his original deal. They didn't have to give him the deal when they did. And turns out that that was mainly a Marty Herney decision, according to uh, David Tepper. So some of that stuff coming into play. Um, Shaq's deal is $54 million over four years uh, for an outside linebacker. Pretty large for uh, extension of that take. And, uh, I, you know, it's safe to say that Shaq has not played up to that contract as of yet. Um, he's still got three more years to go. Not signing James Bradbury, uh, a cornerback that Herney did draft and they cultivated here in Carolina. They decided to let him walk basically for nothing in free agency this past offseason. Uh, the New York Giants and Dave Gettleman ended up giving him the money, the guy that originally drafted him. And now Bradbury's turned into a, uh, an all-pro uh, top-end cornerback in the league. So uh, that too, but I think the fan base is still upset about, especially now after watching the Panthers through the past two months, the release of Cam Newton. I think this kind of came back around full circle here. Because um, to be honest, Tyrone, they, they could be 4-10 and 10 with Cam Newton this year, uh, the way that everything's kind of gone. And I think now people are kind of looking at stuff like, well, they're tied to Teddy for at least another year. They can't get rid of him until after next year if they choose to go that route. Um, and that's a deal that Marty Herney put together. So you kind of get the good and the bad with Marty Herney. He's great at picking guys at the top of the draft. But then there's the the contract things and you know guys getting cut and su uh, and such where the fan base was mixed on Marty Herney is probably the easiest way to put that. But the general manager search will start uh, immediately according to owner David Tepper and uh, there's a couple of guys out there too soon to really say. But there's a couple of candidates out there. I'd love Lewis Riddick 
uh, I want to throw that name out there uh, from ESPN. Um, he's never had a shot as a, a uh, head GM in the league. I think it would be a great move by the Panthers to to, to at least give him an interview. Um, but we'll keep track on that over the next couple of weeks while we're still on here during the season. Uh, wanted to move really quick over to. Let me say this. Oh yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, uh, you know, I hear what you're saying, and and, and this is what people got to understand. Um, you know, I don't care who you are. Uh, when you're at the top, uh, you alluded to it a little bit, uh, but then you said some other things that I'm like, okay. When you are at the top, uh, you are the person, the 360. And this is how I clar- clarify things sometimes. You got 360 degree thinkers. These are the thinkers who actually their thinking has to involve everybody, everything. And then you got 90 degree thinkers. 90 degree thinkers are people who basically they think for their department. So if you got a cubicle, a building that has 50 cubicles in it, the 360 has to think about all 50 cubicles, whereas the 90 degree only thinks about their particular cubicle. So, yes, they may get mad and say, "Okay, you didn't buy this for our cubicle. They get upset. Well, the 360 degree person who makes a decision. Now, I'm going to come back and allude to some other things, too, because it's not just a 360 thinker, but the actual uh, 360 may disagree because, yes, they needed something for their cubicle. But in the long run, it wouldn't it would not be beneficial for the whole complexity of the company. Now, the 360 does have involvement from the other 90s. So if anybody who knows sports, who has, has a, had a successful business, and this is just me personally, I think everybody who always complaining, number one, those are people who are not making decisions. They are followers. And they had a luxury to sit and complain. That's why I love the military, because I'm like, these guys have an opportunity to give, well, they give me the opportunity to sit and complain. But uh, have I sat on the wall and actually guarded this country? No, I have not. But they give me the luxury to sit and complain. So what I'm just saying is that Marty Herney or whoever is a GM, they take the input for everybody. I know they're talking <laughs> about Cam Newton, okay? Got rid of Cam Newton. But you know what? Matt Rule and Joe Brady came in with a particular offense. They are pretty sure sat down and talked to Marty Herney. So I put Matt Rule and Joe Brady in that decision with Cam Newton. It wasn't just uh, Marty Herney, but Marty Herney was the 360 that had to step out and make that announcement to everybody. But Matt Rule, Joe Brady, all those people who came in with that offense, a la looks like the New Orleans Saints, they said, you know what? We don't think, Marty, that uh, Cam would be a good fit for our offense. So, you know, but we do have a guy. We do have a guy named Teddy Bridgewater, Joe Brady. This is Joe Brady speaking. I know a guy. So if we could bring him in, he probably could help us win, Marty. Okay, well, I'll take you guys' advice, and I'm going to go out there. So, yes, I hear what you say, but then that is a team, a group effort. But like we said, Marty Hearn is the one that they hang out there on the fence. So uh, it is what it is. It's, it's just the nature of the business. Right, and, and Marty Herney was set up kind of at the beginning of the season to be the fall guy if things went wrong. I mean, Matt Rule has a seven-year contract. Uh, from David Tepper, he brings in Joe Brady, the Wonder Kid from LSU. If anything was going to go wrong this season, the signs were pointing to it being Ma- Matty, uh, excuse me, Marty Herney being the guy that took the the fall for it. His contract was up in June anyway, so people were already assuming that they were going to move on from Marty Herney uh, due to the fact that he wasn't David Tepper's guy. He wasn't Matt Rule's guy. When they they came in, Marty Herney was still here, and they just kind of kept him here. 
But the writing's kind of been on the wall with comments from owner David Tepper that this was probably going to happen sooner than later. Uh, Tepper and Rule are both analytical guys. They're driven by stats, data. Marty Hearn is an old school guy, uh, you know, eye test, that type of thing. And uh, David Tepper, uh, moving on to uh, David Tepper's virtual press conference that he decided to have after uh, the news came out that Marty Herney was being let go, he dropped a couple nuggets in there that were kind of eye-raising, which he's known to do. David Tepper does not hold back when it comes to thoughts that are on his mind and his expectations for his football team, which I love. It, I, it's refreshing to hear an owner be blunt about what he expects from his team. He's not sugarcoating anything. He's not trying to make the guys feel better or anything like that. He's saying specifically what he wants and what he sees uh, out there. Um, So when asked about Marty Herney and why he was uh, released at this time, uh, he told the truth. He said, you know, I want to give him an opportunity to pursue other positions if possible and give him a head start on that. And it also gives us a head start. And I didn't want to look for another guy behind Marty's back with two weeks to go in the season, which is respectful. Uh, The one thing, though, that David Tepper commented on when asked that's kind of echoed what I've been saying for the past couple of weeks, but it's become even more prevalent uh, with the play of Teddy Bridgewater the past two or three weeks, really since he came back from that knee injury uh, for that Minnesota game. He's kind of played a little off, to be honest, over the past three or four games. Uh, David Tepper was asked by the media uh, what areas the Panthers were going to need to address on the roster Tepper brought up the secondary first, but then he quickly pivoted to quarterback and said, quote, unless you have that guy for sure that gets you to the playoffs and Super Bowl, you have to keep uh, reevaluating those positions. And for me, that was a telltale sign that, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's on the hot seat, as he should be, uh, especially after the uh, performance against the Packers this past Saturday and really his performance over the course of the year. Um, He is the incumbent starter. He's 0-8 in his last eight starts, um, which I, I feel is an unfair thing attribute to apply to a quarterback, but that's just the nature of this game. You know, the quarterback gets the blame when the, when the team loses. They get the glory when the team wins, and that's basically what's happening right now with Teddy. Uh, he has done some things in the games that seem to contradict what the coaches are telling him to do, and we'll get to that in just a bit too. But there was another uh, big hit uh, of news uh, in the Panther world this week before we get into our quick recap of Panthers versus Packers. And that was a uh, hall of fame linebacker. Kevin green uh, passed away in his home in Florida on Monday at the age of 58 fifth round draft pick uh, for the LA Rams in 1985 out of Auburn. Uh, he was there at the same time as Bo Jackson uh, and actually uh, said in a comment that one of the things he did to try to get better and ready for the NFL was, you know, having to go up against Bo Jackson every day in practice at Auburn. I can only imagine that. 15-year career in the NFL with the Rams, Steelers, the Panthers, the 49ers. Uh, in 1996, he led the Panthers to the NFC Championship game with 14 and a half sacks. He was selected to the All-Pro team. He set the NFL record with five consecutive multi-sack games and was considered at the time the top linebacker in the game in 1996. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 19, uh, excuse me, in 2016. Third all-time in sacks tie, 160 behind only the Bills' Bruce Smith and Reggie White, the Minister of Defense, who also played uh, here in Carolina towards the end of his career. You actually shared uh, a roster spot with Kevin Green on that 1996 team, that infamous team, second year uh, in existence, Carolina Panthers, that made it all the way to the NFC Championship game against uh, Brett Favre and the the Packers up in Lambeau. Um, Any thoughts about um, Kevin Green and uh, your experience playing with him? 
Uh, first and foremost, you know, condolences. Uh, my condolences goes out to um, his family and all his loved ones. Um, you know, Kevin will be greatly missed. But when I look at Kevin, I, I think about uh, old school. Um, you know, he's the type of guy you want on your team. It's funny how uh, you talk about Marty Herney, uh, you know, it's old school and, you know, David Tepper, you know, they're kind of like uh, new school mm-hmm. uh, guys. Uh, but I think you need that mindset of a player who's mixed with old school uh, values, with new school attributes. And it's hard to find those guys today. But when I think about Kevin Green, man, uh, first and foremost, he called everybody brother. You know, brother, I, and I put that on my social media. Um, you know, he was like, you know, brother, and to him, you were a brother. You know, mm-hmm. you were a brother out there on that field. And it seems like in today's game, everybody's all individuals. And that is what I think is missing in today's game. It's just that brotherhood. And uh, But Kevin was a uh, team player. And also when I think about Kevin uh, Green, I think about uh, when he – Came into the league, like you said, in 85. He got his first opportunity to really play a full 16 games in 1988. And when I look at him, I think about from 1988 all the way until around um, 97 when he went to the San Francisco 49ers. uh, And then he came back to Carolina in 98 and 99. This guy, out of 16 games, he either started 14 or 16 of those games for those number of years, uh, other than when he went to San Francisco, um, he started, uh, well, played in 14 games and only started four. But this guy, that right there shows me commitment, that shows me leadership, that, ter- that shows me determination, that shows me that, hey, I'm gonna play now. We don't know what type of injury he might've been battling with, with those 16 games. And like I said, no less than 14 games that he did not start, but again, this is what I think about with Kevin. And if I could take some of what Kevin had and give it to these guys right now, I would say his heart, man, his heart and his commitment to team because you just don't see that in this day and age, man. He is a very rare breed and, uh, you know, great, great, great guy. So, uh, you know, it was an honor to uh, uh, play with Kevin, man. And again, these linebackers today, they need to turn on some film and uh, look at Kevin Green. And maybe that should be their highlight before they go out there on the field or doing the week of practice. And man, mm-hmm. just this guy mannerism, man, how he played the game. But again, my condolences uh, go out to uh, his family, man, um, you know, great teammate uh, of mine. And, um, you know, just just a sad situation, 58 years old, but a great guy, a great uh, person, great individual, great player. And, you know, it's crazy how some players we kind of take for granted in terms of what they do, like what's in their toolbox and what they do well. And, of course, for Kevin Green, uh, he's one of the top sack artists in, in the history of the NFL. And I, I remember that year and and the stint that he was here in Carolina where it, it got to a point where we kind of expected, you know, Kevin to go get us a sack. <laughs> you know, like it was one of those things where it was like – there was stretches where he was just unblockable. Like, you just couldn't keep him out of the backfield. It was crazy. But uh, one of the greatest NFL linebackers of all time, a 15-year uh, career. And, again, he was elected to the NFL Hall of Fame, as he should have been uh, a couple, just a couple years ago, actually, uh, in 2016. Third all-time uh, in sacks in the league behind only Bruce Smith and Reggie White. Great company to have there. Um, Kevin Green uh, passed away this past Monday at the age of 58. Um, and I would not be surprised if uh, we do something here in Carolina to kind of commemorate him, maybe put him in the ring of honor or, or something of that sort. Uh, of course, that would be up to 
owner David Tepper. Uh, the the Panthers and the Packers went at it this past Saturday night in prime time. 24-16 was the score. Uh, Packers moving on, still the one seed in the NFC. They've got a lot to play for. They've got the Saints hot on their heels. Uh, the Panthers will actually close out the season against those New Orleans Saints. Uh, and the one seed might be on the line in that game. So that game might get flexed as well uh, to 4 o'clock. Um, the main takeaway I took from this game, I, I, you know, I've been hard on Teddy the past couple of weeks, and it has been warranted. But I wanted something positive out of this game, and there was. And you'll probably expand this, but the defense actually finally adjusted. Uh, they played fantastic in the second half. Uh, they were playing against the top offense in the NFL. Uh, in Aaron Rodgers and the the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers in the middle of an MVP season. I think he's going to win it. It's pretty much come down to him and Pat Mahomes, speaking of a guy that we've taken for granted for things that he can do on the field, uh, both of them, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Pat Mahomes, to be honest. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is 37 years old. I didn't realize he was that old, and he he's playing fantastic, but the, the defense for the Panthers showed up and showed out uh, the second half on Saturday held uh, the Packers to only 49 total yards and three points. It was the best Panther defense that they've played all year, in my opinion, uh, in the second half. Just unfortunately, the offense wasn't enough to really, uh, you know, overcome the uh, the outcome. But my, my, my main takeaway was that, that defensive coordinator Phil Snow and the young guys, the young guns on the Panther defense really stepped up and were – all over my screen, I felt like every time I looked up, I was seeing Jeremy Chin make a tackle. Derek Brown was in the backfield a lot. Brian Burns was causing havoc. And those are young building blocks for this defense. Everybody I just named are first-year or second-year guys. Uh, so I'm excited to see the growth in the defense and to see what they can do uh, going forward the next couple of weeks and into next year as well as they grow uh, and learn these schemes better and you know become more more experienced and everything. Well, when I take a look at this game, I, I, I look at the fact that offensively, I think the Panthers could have had an opportunity to win this game. I think it had not been for – I think if you actually give them that touchdown where they fumbled uh, on the goal line, they fumbled on the goal line, if they convert that into a touchdown instead of the fumble, uh, you now you know make the game, um, instead of it being, I think at the time, 21-3 to three or somewhere yep. like that. Uh, it was 14-3. Uh, 14, 14, yeah, it was 14. It, it would have made it 14-10 if they had gotten in. So that momentum right there would have actually probably changed the complexity uh, of the, the the game. And also, uh, you know, the Panthers offense going to do what they're going to do. They're uh, inside route throwing team. You're going to get a lot of crossing routes and check downs. Uh, so they're going to do what they do on offense. But they did enough on offense, I think, to um, – you know, keep the game where they had an opportunity. Uh, just, again, you add in that touchdown at the uh, point of where Bridgewater tried to go over the top and the ball got knocked out. Give them that touchdown. That changed the complexity. Uh, defensively, I was pleased with the fact that they did not give up the big ball, the big game, the big play. And that is what we say as players when we go in. We always have goals. Uh, and one of those goals – are not to give up the big play in the running game and the passing game. Now, the passing game, the Panthers did not give up the big pass plays, which you're playing against Aaron Rodgers, and uh, you got good receivers. They did not give up the deep ball, but they did allow Aaron Jones to gut him for 145. So um, they didn't 
give up big plays in the passing game, but he gave up big plays in the running game. And sometimes uh, I saw that coming across situations where they blitzed. And uh, but I was glad to see them blitz a little bit. But again, the Panthers, I think, went to an opposing team's uh, field with no fans, so to speak, <laughs> the stands, and uh, they played very well. And again, um, just good momentum uh, going forward uh, with this uh, Panthers organization. Yeah, uh, that was. Um... You know, a good uh, thing with the defense was doing rookie de- uh, defensive end Derek Brown played 92% of the snaps on Saturday night. Uh, head coach Matt Rule said that post game he thought cornerback Dante Jackson had the best football game he had seen him play. Uh, defense had five sacks on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they just they played really well. I was really impressed with the, the Panther defense in a game where it looked like the Packers were gonna able to do whatever they wanted on offense in the first half. It changed on a dime coming out of the halftime where it went from the Packers being able to move with ease, running the ball, passing the ball, whatever they wanted, to not being able to do anything. And one of the one of the quarterbacks in the league where if you can get him flustered, he can get out of his game, it's Aaron Rodgers. If you can get back there and, and touch him uh, and, 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 and cause him to have to make rush decisions, he gets flustered just like anybody else back there. He's human just like all the rest of us. And we saw a little bit of that. However, uh, as you mentioned, the critical play in the game for me was the uh, in the second quarter, about 7.35 to go, Panthers down 14-3. They had driven down the length of the field uh, on the goal line, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater fumbled at the goal line. Uh, he actually fumbled twice in this game at the goal line. One was recovered by the Packers and ran back to the 50. Um, another was called back due to penalty. Um, but Teddy tried to jump over the line, so to speak, and do that Drew Brees poke the the football over the line thing couldn't really get off the ground Teddy said in the post game that it was his fault uh I thought it was very revealing for the second week in a row Matt Roll has to come out and basically say we didn't tell Teddy to do this or that or the third uh he even went to the end of the game it was halftime uh he was walking uh to the locker room and was getting interviewed by Melissa Stark and uh told her flat out that we've told all the football players to never put the football over the uh, the goal line like that in a situation because uh, it can get poked out, which is exactly what happened. Uh, Teddy echoed that, said it was his fault. Uh, he apologized for it. But it cost uh, the Panthers a chance to go into half or at least into the second quarter down four, 14 to 10, and the complexion of the game would have changed. Instead, the Packers, you know, take the fumble back to the 50. They end up scoring, and it turns the game uh, to 21 to 10. Uh, a bit, excuse me, twenty-one to three. Uh, so a, a huge uh, point swing that happened off that one play. And it's just something you can't do if you're the if you're going to be the so-called franchise quarterback for this team. You can't have a big blunder once a week, and it feels like that's what's happening now with Teddy. I don't know what's happened uh, confidence-wise with this guy. Like he, it felt like the first month or two felt like he was up there with. Name a name a top quarterback in the league. I felt like he was playing on their level, but something has happened over the past month, maybe five or six weeks. Really, around the time he got hurt, when he got injured and missed that one game, PJ Walker came in, and that was the last win the Panthers have had. Ever since then, it feels like Teddy's just not doing Teddy. He's not pre- he's pressing too hard or something. He's making mistakes he wasn't making earlier in the year, and they're getting more and more pronounced as uh, the season goes on to the point where owner David Tepper made those comments about you know the quarterback position being evaluated. 
uh, and wasn't really prompted to uh, to answer that type of question. David Tepper volunteered that information. So you kind of know that this is something they've been talking about, uh, or at least it's been brought up with uh, Tepper and Matt Rule and Joe Brady and everyone else um, in that locker room regarding the play of Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I, th- I think that, I mean, this is just assumption, but I know along the fan base, it's kind of sitting there right now. I think there's a little bit of regret finally starting to show on cutting Cam Newton. Um, it just seems like for what they're doing right now, the way they're running this offense, I don't see any reason why Cam Newton couldn't have ran this offense. They don't really, they don't really go down the field hardly at all. It's really kind of a dink and dunk type of passing system. Um, it would have been more heavily reliant on the run game if Cam was here. But And I know Cam's not playing very well, but it's a different situation. He's in New England. He has nothing around him. Came in very, very late. Uh, really probably still learning their offense. But it would have been a similar situation here. He'd just been surrounded with better weapons. And I, I, I'm starting to wonder if they're regretting signing Teddy to the three-year deal they had where they could have just kept Cam this year for the same amount of money let them walk at the end of the year and be in a position to, you know, do whatever they're going to do next, which looks like they're going to do it anyway in terms of drafting a, a quarterback. They're currently sitting at the four spot for the 2021 NFL draft, which will put them in a position to draft uh, a Justin Fields or someone, uh, Trey Lance, someone that's a quarterback uh, that, you know, could slide right in in Carolina. Of course, the everyone would want Trevor Lawrence, but they're not getting the number one pick, and I don't believe the – the Jaguars are going to give up that pick <laughs> for uh, the chance to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence, who could probably start day one in Carolina, to be honest. Um, the coaches were outcoached in that Packer game, too. Got to note that. Um, the second week in the road, Joe Brady's pay- play calling was kind of, you know, what's going on for a minute, like they would dedicate to the run, and then they would just completely abandon it. Uh, he had a weird trick play uh, down at the end zone with uh, Brandon uh, – see if I can pronounce his name correctly, Brandon Zalestra, where it was kind of like a like a double handoff type. It was a weird play to run where they ran it. They ran it like like right down at the goal line, and it didn't work, and it lost them a down. And it just, when it happened, I remember thinking, that was a really weird play to try to call right there. Like, you're not fooling anybody. You don't have enough room to do the play that you're trying to do. And it didn't work, and it was almost like they were just kind of digging for something, a spark, anything to to get this team going. But it was just a weird time to call it. And then uh, I thought it was really weird in the fourth quarter that they decided to kick a field goal with 2.10 to go in the game. Um, they were down 24-13, to 13 and it was first and 10. They had just got the first down from a catch from D.J. Moore. They're in the red zone, and on first down, they decided to kick a field goal uh, to make the score 24-16, to 16, which ended up being the final. It was just kind of a head-scratcher, and that was on Matt Rule. Uh, he said he did it so they'd have more time to try to get the ball back to try to score again, but I would think in that situation, first and 10 in the red zone, you should try to go for the touchdown first instead of kicking a field goal on first down. Like that just The whole thing just seemed kind of funny, and it, it's spotty places like that where it feels like the coaching staff still kind of learning on the job and we're kind of getting dragged along with them. But uh, those two things I noticed uh, specifically from uh, Joe Brady and Matt Rule, especially that field goal in the fourth quarter, just felt weird. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go back to what you said about talking about Teddy. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, you know, most fans <laughs> most fans are like leaves blowing in the wind. 
you know, whichever way the wind blows, that's what they're going to say. That's what they're going to, you know, uh, if the wind is blowing good and the leaves are going the right direction, then guess what? Everything is good. If the wind is blowing and the leaves go in the opposite direction, then everything's going to be bad. So uh, myself, again, just playing this game or any professional athlete or anybody who's at a top level, uh, you know, you just got to be able to handle criticism and still go out there and do what you got to do. And and guess what, people? Um, it doesn't matter who the Panthers draft. Uh, again, leaves blowing in the wind. That per- They could draft Trevor Lawrence. And if he comes in here, then guess what people are going to say if he don't do good? Well, you know, that's the difference between college and the pros. So you can't satisfy <laughs> So people are going to talk. They're going to be with you when you're up, and they're going to be down, uh, down in you when things are going bad. And, you know, so, Teddy, man, keep on doing your thing, man, and just continue to be a pro and get better, just make better decisions, and, you know, because it's a tough game. Um, as far as coaching, when you say getting out-coached, um, you know, now should Matt Rule and uh, Joe Brady be fired? Or again, like you said, it's um, Marty Herney. You know, they're gonna say Marty Herney. You know, he he you know he did this and did that before he got fired, and he did this and did. So at the end of the day, that's what I mean. It is a team decision. So yes, um, uh, they tell Teddy Bridgewater to not dive over the top and extend the ball. Okay, well Matt Rule, Joe Brady, you should. Go for the touchdowns to, instead of kicking a field goal. So at the end of the day, man, is is it tomatoes or tomatoes? You know, it's like at the end of the day, everybody's making mistakes. But um, again, 360, that's why I say 360 thinkers and 90 degree thinkers, man. It depends on which position you're in, you know, but you just got to have, you know, Matt Rule, Coach Rule, uh, Coach Brady, uh, you know, they're going to come back and, yeah, they take it on the chin and say, hey, my fault. Just like Teddy Bridgewater said, my fault. So you try to come back the next game and correct your errors. And if you continue to make errors, then guess what? People are going to start saying you got to get up out of here. So um, so you just got to go and play. Like they said, NFL fans for not for long. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I agree with the whole team concept and that it's a team game. Definitely 100 uh, percent. But those things are individual decisions. Like Joe Brady decided to run or call that trick play down at the goal line. Teddy Bridgewater decided to reach over the goal line after he was told not to. Matt Rule decided to kick a field goal in first and 10 in the red zone with two minutes to go. Like, like the cumulative, the cumulative uh, like amount of these individual decisions makes it a team loss. Uh, but it's kind of head-scratching. Some of the things that are happening, it's almost like they're not learning from their mistakes. And that, to me, is kind of... Uh, jarring because it, it's been multiple weeks in a row where we've seen some of these things happen. Usually the defense is the scapegoat where we're like, you know, the defense isn't playing up to their thing. They're letting everybody run up and down their back. The defense actually played great uh, on Saturday. They were actually the bright spot uh, in terms of the game. Um, something to, to really look forward to because a lot of the, the young stars on this team are on the defensive end. So that was very encouraging to see that. It was just, I don't know, I, I, I'm still on this whole uh trying to figure out what the hell has happened to Teddy Bridgewater. And for me, I think the one saving grace I took from all of this was David Tepper coming out from behind the the curtain and talking about the team, which he seems to do right around this time of the year, right before the year's over. He'll come out and answer questions from the media, which is great. Um, and he, like I said, he's, he's one of the most upfront owners in the league. He's definitely the richest owner in the league. And he knows what he wants. He knows how to get it. Um, he's not used to not getting what he wants. And 
he doesn't strike me as a patient man, Tyrone. He doesn't seem like the type that's going to wait five years for uh, them to turn this around into a winner. Uh, so I, Teddy Bridgewater, based on David Tepper's statements, is definitely on the hot seat uh, these last two weeks of the season. And I would not be surprised if we see P.J. Walker maybe starting that game versus the Saints. So we'll keep an eye out on everything going on with this here. Uh, we don't have any news on uh, Christian McCaffrey yet, although Matt Roll did leave open the possibility that uh, McCaffrey may play this Sunday. He said that Wednesday would be the the key day. Uh, that's their their practice day where they kind of go all out and I guess install what they're going to be doing for the week uh, against their opponent. If McCaffrey can get on the field and practice Wednesday, there's a possibility he could play on Sunday. So uh, keep an eye out on Twitter. Uh, follow like Elena Getzenberg, Joe Person, uh, guys guys and girls that follow the Panthers, beat writers from them that that have up to date info on uh, injuries and things of that sort. They'll be able to update whether or not McCaffrey can get out on the field. Um, hopefully he can because uh, the Panthers definitely could use him in the run game on offense. The Panthers taking on the Washington football team who find themselves number one in the NFC East, which, you know, just a month ago, we, us collectively as a country were laughing at the NFC East because of the ineptitude in that entire division. It's now turned into one of the more interesting talking points of the entire league the, the football team is actually riding a little bit of a hot streak. They're 6-8. and eight. They're only one game ahead of the Cowboys and the Giants. Um, I didn't realize the Giants were still mathematically in this to, to win this division uh, with everything that's been going on. And because of it, the football game itself against the Panthers has been flexed to 4 p.m. Uh, on Sunday on CBS due to the fact that the NFC East could be decided by Sunday night. Um, depending on what happens in the Cowboy game and the Giants game, uh, they move the Washington game to four so that because if Washington wins, they pretty much clinch the NFC East. So if they had played at one, Washington clinches, doesn't leave any drama for the afternoon game. So you know the NFL, they love their drama. They decided to move this game to four so that you could be even more uh, more attached to following who wins the AFC. I mean, excuse me, the NFC East. My question is, who's going to be the Washington football team quarterback? Uh, just saw Dwayne Haskins uh, in a social media post at a strip club after Sunday's game with no mask or anything. Uh, this is alarming, Tyrone, because not only could he, you know, potentially infect his team that's in the middle of a division chase uh, for a title, his head coach is dealing with cancer, and he, he does something like this. He's a second-year guy. Any thoughts on Dwayne Haskins and and this behavior that might? cost him at, at minimum playing in this game Sunday at maximum might have cost him you know a bag down the road uh with the Redskins or someone else uh just being uh, I guess immature is the word to use for the behavior I can't I can't figure out why a kid would do this uh in the position he's been given to go out to a strip club right after a game and just be so unsafe like just I, I can't wrap my mind around it um, any any comments, thoughts about uh, Dwayne Haskins doing what he did after the game on Sunday? I don't have nothing personally uh, against uh, Dwayne Haskins to say anything about his actions, but I can say this in general. You know, when you are a young guy, I've been a young guy, and, um, you know, I don't think we probably saw any of this when Dwayne was the starter. Uh, when you are the starter, you get out there and you play, you know, your body is too tired. 
uh, to try to do anything after the game. So you want to go and uh, get your rest because you know it's a long week coming up. But I will just say, you know, from a general uh, standpoint of view, uh, all young guys, man, I'm like, you know, you just got to make better decisions. You got to make better decisions. You know, you are a professional. Uh, everything that you do, it gets magnified. Uh, you cannot do what the normal person does. Uh, even though we are human beings, just like everybody else, you know, you cut me, I'm a bleed red. You cut the person who's sitting in front of the television every Sunday, they're going to bleed red. The only difference is that we are pushed into a spotlight that is very glaring and again people just pick up the tabloids they talk about us this show is basically based off of talking about people who are at the top of their game in mm -hmm. football uh we're not sitting here talking about our, our, us you know nobody want to hear anything about what desmond johnson is doing they, they, they want to hear what the panthers are doing they don't hear anything about what Tyrone Poole is doing. They want to hear what the current Panthers are doing. So I just say to these young guys, you know, just got to be careful, you know, in what you're doing uh, because you're messing with your money, you know, in the future. Uh, you're starting to uh, create a, a bad name for yourself. And then when you don't get that big contract, you're wondering why they don't give it to you again. Mm -hmm. We want to have a good name. We want to have a great name. Yes, we all gonna make mistakes. I've made mistakes, but right. you know what? The key is, you know, not to put yourself in a situation where you harm yourself, self-inflicted situation. So, um, you know, just hopefully, you know, Dwayne uh, learned from this, and somebody he has a mentor, somebody can talk to him, and he doesn't just have yes people in his corner telling him yes, it's okay. Yes, he needs some people in his corner that gonna jack him up by the collar and tell him man no we're not going to do that so mm -hmm. you are a person of, of of great value meaning people see your dollar signs on you you're going to have a lot of yes people so Dwayne, you know if i can say something i will say find you some better people to associate with man who will who will look at your future and not just be yes people and people who would challenge you to uh, make the right decision, man, because you're messing with your money. You're messing with any type of future opportunities because you're not going to play football for long. And then you're going to need to make some money somewhere else. And if you got a bad name or your name is attached to certain things, then you know what? Verizon may want to do something with you. Nike may want to do something with you. Well, mm -hmm. again, people are going to tune in to people who they feel like they have a good name. So Dwayne, just watch yourself, man. That's great advice. Great advice there. Um, and, you know, the funny thing is Dwayne had just took back the starting job. He had started that Sunday because uh, Alex Smith, uh, for those who don't know, he actually ha caught a cleat or something in his calf uh, the week before. Uh, not the leg that was injured that he rehabbed from the other leg. So he was out. Dwayne Haskins gets pushed back into the starting role uh, this past Sunday. And then after that, that's when this happens. And it looked like he was going to start again. This week, he may have to out of necessity because I can't figure out who the quarterback's going to be for the Redskins. Uh, they've had a lot of injuries there in that position, and I don't think Alex Smith is ready to come back uh, this week. So uh, this is one of those games where, you know, sometimes we'll sit here and say, you know, this is what the other team is good at. This is what they do. This is what we need to stop. For me, I'm looking at it like this is one of those games where if the Panthers do what, what the coaches are telling them to do and they execute – they can really set the tone for this game themselves. It's not really so much about what Washington does or does not do. For me, this game's more about what Carolina does well. If they can do those things, 
they should win this game, even though it's on the road. I think uh, Carolina's a two-point underdog last time I checked it. Uh, so it's pretty much a wash at this point. Uh, I looked at the Washington game earlier in the year, and really even as recently as this weekend, as a winnable game for Carolina. Um, of course, if they get McCaffrey back, that helps a lot. But I think they can win it without McCaffrey, to be honest. They have more than enough on offense to uh, to play against this team. I will say that Ron Rivera has the front four uh, led by Chase Young uh, and those boys. They are playing nasty right now. So uh, Teddy, if he, in fact, is going to be the starting quarterback this Sunday for the Panthers, he cannot hold the ball four or five seconds against this uh, Washington defensive front. They will get after him and make it a long Sunday uh, afternoon for him if he decides to hold the ball because they get back there. They get after it. Um, that is probably the strength of this Washington team. They, they're they kind of built like the way the San Francisco team was built last year or uh, that made it to the Super Bowl last year, I should say, where they've got four like top picks uh, on their defensive line, which you rarely get. But when it does happen and it's in the right hands, like a defensive mastermind like Ron Rivera – He's just letting those dogs loose, and uh, that could be a problem for the Panthers' uh, offensive line that's gone through a bunch of injuries. Russell Lacuna is still out at left tackle. Uh, Greg Little, if I'm not mistaken, got placed on IR. So they're they're shuffling guys around on that offensive line. If Carolina can handle the pass rush from Washington and uh, and actually turn some of these red zone opportunities into touchdowns instead of field goals, which is what they've pretty much had to do all year, I feel like they could win pretty comfortably against this Washington team. But, again, this Carolina team, typically, they've lost games where they've shot themselves in the foot. If you look at pretty much every game they played this year, take away the two Tampa games uh, where, you know, first game they had a couple of early turnovers, uh, lead became so insurmountable they just ran out of time. And then the second Tampa game was basically kind of a repeat of the first. All the other games the Panthers have played this year – have basically been decided by eight points or less. So they've been pretty much in every game they've played, win or lose. And I would expect nothing different out of this game against Washington that they really match up with pretty well. just depends on who's going to be available and how they execute coming out. They come out hot early. Uh, This Panther team has proven they don't play well from behind. Uh, They need to get ahead early, keep that lead, which allows Teddy to not push it so much, rely on the run game a little bit. Just do things that the Panthers team should be doing at this point in week 16 of the season. I think they have a good chance to beat this Washington football team. Yeah, you know, going back to the Christian uh, McCaffrey thing, you know, I know Coach uh, Rule said uh, Wednesday, but again, people, I'm telling you, Friday is the day that if you don't see that person out there on Friday's practice, then that person probably not going to play in Sunday's game. So, yes, you want them out there Wednesday because that's when they do, uh, you know, start working on the actual uh, team uh, that they're going to play. But Friday is the day that you want to read the papers and see if Christian McCaffrey had a full practice. And if he had a full practice on Friday, then more than likely he's going to play on Sunday. Now, when you talk about the Washington Redskins, you know, the quarterback situation, yeah, it's, you know, who's going to play but I think the team does better with Alex Smith up under the center. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that actually goes. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, you know, he's still learning, and, but he has the ability. Uh, and I think you look at the run game, Antonio Gibson, you know, the guy's averaging about 4.7 yards a carry. So we saw what uh, Jones with the Packers did with the uh, Panthers defense. And, yes, the Panthers shut down the passing game, 
of the Packers, but they allow Aaron Jones to run the ball on the ground. So you got uh, Gibson. He's a very capable uh, running back. Okay, may not have a lot of yards, uh, but he's averaging 4.7. That's what you want to look at. Uh, receiver wise, you got uh, Terry, Terry McLaren. You know, he has just as many catches as uh, our receivers. You know, basically, mm-hmm. uh, Robbie Anderson has about what 85. Uh, yeah. Well, Terry is right behind him with 80. But here's the thing, people. This is the go-to guy as far as wide receivers for the Redskins. He's been targeted actually more than Robbie Anderson. He's been targeted probably about you know 126 times, and that's a lot of targets. But they have some other capable receivers, tight end, Logan Thomas. But then when you go to the defense, you mentioned uh, Chase Young. You know, well, he's one of the guys on the leader. A lot of energy. But you also got to look at uh, Martez Sweat. You know, what about a name like that, Sweat? So, you know, he come to play every time. You don't be sweating. <laughs> you got Sweat. You got uh, Ryan uh, Kerrigan. You know, so they have some capable guys on defense that can put some pressure on this Panthers offense. So, uh, yes, the Redskins may be uh, favored by two. Yes, this could could be a winnable game for the Panthers, but I don't think the Panthers can just win this game because I think the Redskins, oh, there we go. Can't get rid of that name, man. Can't get rid of it. I know, man. It's so hard. <laughs> it's hard. But the Washington football team, they have a lot. I think they have more momentum, more to play for because they are in the driver's seat of getting to the playoffs. And then on top of that, you know, uh, Coach Ron Rivera, uh, Riverboat Run, as uh, they call him, is that right? So, you mm-hmm. know, they also want to play for him. You know, so I think the the Washington football team has a lot of momentum. If I would decide, I would say the momentum usually, uh, if it can stay consistent, usually always come out on top. So, but it's going to be a good game, uh, nevertheless. I think it is. I think it's going to be a good game, too. Usually Redskins – I did it again. <laughs> Usually the Washington football team versus the Panthers uh, it is a good game, no matter the records or whatnot. They kind of have a natural rivalry geographic-wise. And, and of course, anyone that's lived here in the Carolinas uh, understands you're probably either – if you're not a Panthers fan, you're probably a Redskins fan – uh, due to the fact that before the Panthers were here, this was Redskins country. Like literally the 1 p.m. game every Sunday was the Washington Redskins for the first half of my my life, really. And I grew up a Redskins fan because of it. Everyone around me were Redskins fans. Those those red jackets with the, you know, the Redskins logo on the on the chest and everything else. Those those things did not go away, even with the name change, which I assume will be happening here soon. Although I've heard they might just stick with football team. Uh, which I think would be a mistake, but uh, but Washington taking on Carolina flex to 4 p.m. on Sunday on CBS. Washington trying to clinch their first NFC East title since 2012, if I'm not mistaken, when uh, Robert Griffin III was the talk of the town. Uh, sound, seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, Ron Rivera trying to get a division title in his first year as the football coach of the football team up in Washington. That's going to do it for us this week here. We are, we are out of time. Uh, again, shout out to our sponsors over at betonline.ag. Definitely go over there and uh, place your bets. It never closes. Uh, you can follow Tyrone Poole on Twitter at TyronePool38. You can follow me on Twitter at Dez, D-E-Z underscore 3505. Uh, we'll be back next week. 
to recap this game, give you some news and notes from the Panthers as they head into the final week of the season and a matchup against the NFC South rivals, New Orleans Saints. Panthers might have an opportunity to play spoiler and actually have a say in what's going to happen here uh, in the NFC playoffs over the next two weeks. They can determine or have a say in who wins the NFC East. And they might have a t- uh, chance to have a say in who's going to be the overall one seed in the NFC. Remember, there's only one bye uh, this season. And that only goes to the one seed. So Green Bay and New Orleans are going to be fighting all the way through to the end here uh, to get that bye. And the Panthers will have a lot to say about who gets that based off of who they've played the past three weeks. Follow us on the Believe Podcast Network on Twitter. And on social media, definitely check us out. And you can listen to uh, previous episodes of the Believe in Panther podcast there as well. We will talk to you next week. Keep pounding, Panther fans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.